Hello, everybody. This is April Navoa with the Everything Considered podcast, and I have a uh, returning guest, a very welcome guest whom I'm honored to share space with, Millie America. Millie, welcome to the show. Oh, April, thank you so much for having me again. I always enjoy our conversations so much. I know. It's, it's, I, I could have you on weekly. <laughs> Just a little suggestion. Anyway. Yes. <laughs> Uh, you and I were kind of messaging uh, lately, and uh, the topic we want to talk about today is trauma. Um, gosh, it's been a really tough couple years. And one of the things we were saying is it feels like a lot of things are coming to the surface for people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was in Mexico three weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, helping in a women's retreat powerful, transformational. You know, the first three days we were detoxing. Um, the host took the alcohol out, which I don't drink much, but the alcohol, the sugar, the gluten. Mm-hmm. By day three, my body was like going through this detox shock. And I started feeling all these worth issues come up. Mm-hmm. Maybe because I wasn't feeling well, or I was among 15 very strong, powerful women very successful women. Mm-hmm. And I, I got into this, like into imposter syndrome. And I, I didn't even know how, what was I doing there? I kept asking that Tuesday, what am I doing here? You know, what, how am I helping these women? Right. You know, what can I possibly bring to the table? And I decided to get a massage and the woman was given the massages outside. And I am by no means prude, but I am very private and yeah. I usually, you know, wear clothes is not very revealing and right. what I do behind clothes is very different. But when it comes in front of people, I'm very, I'm very private about my sure. body. Even when I was like this, you know, skinny, I'm just very conscientious about my body. And this right. woman, big Amazon woman, she, she puts on a blanket and she says, okay, get on this. And, <laughs> and I'm like, it's open. Everyone can see. And I am like, what? And I get undressed and I get on the table. She used the blanket as a suggestion. It wasn't like (laughs) covering anything. Right. (laughs) Feeling what I notice is that when trauma hits us or fear hits us, there's three things that the body does. Whether fight, flight, or freeze. Right. And I froze. I couldn't. Mm. And then she went and she started massaging, massaging my stomach, which I don't, ever let anybody touch my stomach. I was raped at 18. And one of the things that happened was he put a knife to my stomach. And so my stomach is a very, um, I just, I can't, I have a hard time with anyone touching my stomach. Sure. And she's going at it. And I am like, at this moment, frozen. Mm. And I, I, I was detoxing. I was already feeling worth issues. She's in my solar plexus. Like, yeah. oh my God. And I am like, trying desperately not to have a panic attack while she's massaging me. Right. Had I known that that's the way the massage was going to go, I would have chosen another day or not, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And then I had to come out of that and then do sessions with clients. And funny enough, the sessions that were coming up where some of them had sexual abuse in their background. And I now having to breathe through my own issues coming up to the trigger in the most beautiful place. And I am having to, I don't even know how to compartmentalize this. I kept saying to myself, and when I would go to my room at night, I was like, okay, clearly I have not dealt with something. I'm 54 since I was 18. And I've gone through therapy. Mm -hmm. I've done the work. I've done everything imaginable that I could possibly think that it has taken all this out. Obviously, when you have a trigger or trauma, it's not that those shadow pieces are going to come up every once in a while. Right, right. And I, the next day, it was like a whole different person. I woke up in the morning and I was in my, in my truth, in my element. Mm. I felt very equal to these women. I felt one of the things that I learned is that I am great at mothering people. And if I just had to just hold space with them and mother them, I was doing my job. That was it. Um, What I did find in the last three weeks is that in all of this coming up, 
is that I personally do not mother myself the same way that I mother others. That's so interesting. And the things that are coming up are about reminding me to nurture me the same way that I nurture clients, my children, Mm. all the people, family members, friends. And it somehow something in me was transformed and broken open. Right. Right. And I came back (laughs) and I had this appointment that my acupuncturist had um, set up for me like six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. with this woman to it's called trigger point therapy mm-hmm. and they they go to points in your body and they try and get whatever traumas or triggers or things that your body has you know we have cellular memories right right so I went last Thursday not knowing what to expect I thought okay it'll be a, a hard massage but you know can't be any yeah two-hour massage with her on my pelvis, on my, on my bones, on my ribs, on my, the back of my, my, my lower back, on my stomach. And I am literally holding back the tears until I got home. Mm. I, mean, I, I saw some, but then I realized that all those things were all tied, have been tied for so many years, including in my last marriage that I did not address, or I just kind of like bulldozed through all those emotions. Right. Yeah. That's, um, in the spiritual community, um, it's, you know, spiritual bypassing gets a really bad rap and it's, I had a Zen teacher that said this to me one time and it really stuck with me because I would have, I would have those instances where I knew things needed to come up that I needed to deal with. And I just couldn't for whatever reason and, uh, would do other behaviors just to avoid having to look at those things. But he said to me, he said, you know, April, um, sometimes spiritual bypassing is good in the sense that we are just not ready to process it yet. Like the body, the mind, um, the heart has a, a timing, a speed at which it's, it is time to let those things go. And we're never arrived. I think life is just one big journey of healing from start to finish. And, um, so I, I think there's this tendency to like want to judge ourselves or, or try to fight it. Um, either way, it's, you know, it, there's some resistance there and, and it's, um, yeah. So spiritual bypassing is not a bad thing, but there is a time for healing. And I do feel like on a collective scale, we're seeing a lot of that with people. A lot of things are coming up that um, they thought were done with, they had yeah. dealt with, right? Well, and I, I'm seeing it with clients where yeah. it, it almost feels as if they, they're like, I thought I dealt with the, with this. I'm like, me too. Yeah. I, as a collective, we are healing in a way, or we're trying to heal in a way that is very different from two years ago. Yes. Because what happened to us two years ago was unlike anything else in history. Yes. And there were a lot of deaths. There were a lot of things that were not true. There have been a lot of, uh, who knows, to be honest, who knows? And in that people chose, have chosen during that time, their lives became magnified. Mm -hmm. So where we were two years ago is very different where we are now. I mean, relationships have broken up. People have decided to drop their careers. People have decided to have children. People have decided not to have children. I mean, It, it almost feels like the people we were two years ago are not the people we are today. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that there's that uncomfortable space of like, okay, I'm not that any longer, but who am I now? It's like the integration we're in, we're in the middle of an integration process mm-hmm. and it's uncomfortable because it doesn't feel com- really grounded. It doesn't feel solid or steady, but that's okay because that's part of it. Right. Um, but I think, I think we're seeing that like on a personal and collective scale. And I think it's an important thing to acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. And I applaud your bravery in coming here today to do that. Cause I think that's, uh, other people need to know that they're not alone in this. You know, sexual trauma is one of those things, whether it was in childhood or in adulthood or any other time, it doesn't have to be, you can be in your twenties or thirties. I mean, people get abused all the time. Mm -hmm. I, I feel it especially women, but there are men too. 
Absolutely. I feel there is this taboo that we need to shift in our society about what we think should never be discussed. Right. And even though we've, oh my God, we've grown so much as a society to open things up, especially in America, to open things up and, and speak about them. You know, it's funny. I went to the post office this morning and, and I noticed this with men and there was this beautiful man that walked past me as I was getting in the car. And I said to him, I stopped and I go, oh my God, you're beautiful. What a handsome man you are. And he looked back almost shocked. Like I say this to women all the time and it wasn't in a sexual way. He didn't take it. I mean, he was younger than me, much younger, but I believe that men themselves do not get that same attention because there's a stigma there's, you know, and if a man was to say that to a woman, it right. might not be that well received. I mean, exactly. and I really think that we have to shift the, the programming that we have in our society yes. where everything is just, everything is geared to like, oh my God, are they going to think that I'm being sexual or, oh my God, am I crossing that line? Because there are people that do cross that line. Yeah. But what I found in the retreat was that even though it wasn't brought up with the women that I was sitting one-on-one, not all of them, I touched upon it. The majority of these women had been sexually abused as child, Mm -hmm. as children, or as adults. And there was this, when you've been sexually abused or any kind of abuse, there's a frequency in the imprint that is left where you can actually sense. If you've been abused, you can sense when another person has been. Right. Like a person who's an addict is no longer an addict and he connects with somebody who has been an addict also, there's a frequency, sure. something about the knowing. And, mm-hmm. I, and I tend to know many times, even if they're not women and they're men, about a severe sexual abuse. Right. So it was one of those most powerful um, retreats because even though it wasn't discussed, even though I did not share that while I was in the retreat, I remember getting on the plane and it took me oh my God, almost a whole day just to get back home on Friday. Mm-hmm. And I kept playing it in my brain. Something in me has to change. Mm-hmm. Something in me has to shift. Mm-hmm. I cannot allow this. It's almost like shame. And, and I, I didn't, you know, you don't look to be raped. You don't right. look to be molested, but there's this sense of shame that goes with your dirty or your not good enough, or, you know, why didn't you do something? And most of my life, April, those three things, fight, flight, or freeze, Mm -hmm. I either freeze or I take off. Right. And I am seeing now that I'm having to stand up and I'm having to fight for things that I normally would just let go. Right. And so that shift is happening, not just in me, but I'm seeing it in clients and I'm seeing it across the border in the collective. You know, David Hawkins did work on um, applied kinesiology, and he somehow was able to calibrate the frequency of different emotions. And um, I tell people sometimes when I'm working with them uh, with Gene Keys, um, they'll say, well, I'm angry. And I'll say, good, because you were depressed and now you're angry. You've come up. You've, mm-hmm. you're, you know, it's, depression and despair is one of the lowest frequencies Mm -hmm. that there is. It's very close to death. Um, according to Dr. Hawkins and anger is a higher frequency. Now you don't want to camp out there. Mm -hmm. Obviously it doesn't feel great, but I think, you know, in my own experience, the one I had last year, it wasn't until I got angry that I became willing to fight for my life. I needed to cross that threshold and, and I don't like being angry. I mean, I was, as a little girl taught, you know, don't be angry. You know, that's not okay. Like you can't feel that way. And, uh, it wasn't appropriate for a girl, right? We get that message early on. And so, but that robs us of our ability to sometimes rescue ourselves from the depths of despair because getting angry is empowering, Mm -hmm. right? It's true. Yeah. It's not thought of it that way. Yeah. It's not a, not a good place to like stay forever, but if you're in a situation where you need to survive, um, please, by all means get angry, you know? Do you find that there is sadness happening now as well? Very much so. And that's the, I think the most concerning thing for me, um, is how 
people are camped out in a place of despair. And I think it's like, you know, it's that kind of like hangover of what we've been through. You know, it's like you, you wake up from it and, and it's like, oh, what was that? And you're trying, the mind is trying to somehow make sense of all of it. And there's not, you're not going to ever be able to make sense of all of it. Um, what I'd like to see is, is not that people become angry, but that they become empowered Mm -hmm. in it and that we don't do that again to one another, that we don't act in such ways again, you know, that maybe we, we grow and improve and evolve as a society. Um, but we have to process that trauma first. It, I mean, there's just, there's no way, no way out, but through, right. Um, but we have to be gentle in that process. So, you know, if there's times it feels like it's too much, it's okay to back off on it. And I think that's important to say. I had a massive panic attack the night before last. And I don't, I don't get them very often when I do is because I'm holding on. I'm holding on to things that I feel like I can control and my expectation of controlling them is irrational. (laughs) And it wakes me up at one o'clock in the morning and I'm sobbing so the kids won't wake up on my sofa. Right. And I'm just shaking and I'm trying to understand how much, how much despair is inside that I have not dealt with. Right. And it's, it's an ongoing process. And I am, you know, me on a personal level, I am pretty happy person. I mean, I, I make, I am, I'm most of the time I'm pretty joyous. I love staying in the moment of, you know, making people laugh and I'm sarcastic and, and, you know, and in those moments when I'm catch myself and I'm sorry, I'm getting a little emotional here. It's good. It's, it's almost, I don't recognize I don't recognize me. And I, it's not that I, I beat myself up over it because I do believe that if it's there, there is a reason for all that to come out. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm at, a, I'm just like you, I'm at a point in my life where I'm at a crossroad right. and I know wonderful things are coming in my career. And I know that my, the way my life is going is, is unlike ever before. I'm joyous from where I am standing right now. And I'm, I'm giddy in anticipation for what's ahead for me, because I feel for the very first time in my life, I'm in pretty much control of me without anyone telling me what I should be doing, how to do it, or their opinions. I get to decide how I live my life. Yeah. However, in that space, I'm actually having to forgive myself Mm -hmm. for allowing all those participants beforehand stopping me from my own growth. I've had some amazing, 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 powerful teachers. Mm -hmm. They have been the catalyst for me to grow in a way that I never thought I could get here the way that I have grown. I, I, I thank them for their participation in showing me the dark side Mm -hmm. and showing me my strength. Mm-hmm. And as an Aries that I am, an Aries woman, a woman, mm-hmm. I tend to, when I make a decision, I move forward. Right. But it is in the middle of the night that for whatever reason, I, I go into these panic attacks sometimes that during the day I don't have, I don't sit in my sofa during the day and stop. I don't sit right. I'm like, okay, in the light of day, I can just do about anything, but yeah, for whatever reason. And it's funny because when I have the, it's the weeks that I have the children. So it doesn't happen when I'm by myself. It happens when they're here and I'm having to hold it together and mm-hmm. I feel like I'm falling apart. And mm-hmm. it's just something that has to go through just right. like in Mexico. Yes. And we have to welcome those parts of ourselves. And I think that's a lot of the reasons why we don't move through very smoothly is because we, we don't want to welcome and love those parts of ourselves that are not is pleasant, you know, but it's really important that we do because it's the only way that they transcend. It's the only way that they evolve and become integrated. And that's really hard sometimes, you know, cause you don't see yourself in that way. You don't want to feel that way. Mm-mm. You don't, that isn't your persona. Mm-hmm. That isn't who mm-hmm. you present to the world, but these are equally as important parts of yourself that need that attention and love and gentleness to heal. And I think that's a lot of where we get tripped up is we just don't, 
we try to stop that process because we need to be who we think we should be and look Mm -hmm. like how we think we should look and behave how we think we should behave. But the reality is it's all okay. All of it, Mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, I, it's a little bit like a two-year-old, you know, if you have a little two-year-old and they really want a cookie and they're relentless and they're like cookie, cookie, cookie. And eventually they're screaming cookie, cookie, cookie. And (laughs) you know this, right. And it's like, you don't give them one, you give them two. So they'd be quiet. Right. Exactly. And so I think that's like with those wounded parts of ourselves, the shadow, and that's, you know, the students that I guide jinkies and Mm -hmm. a lot of times they come in with this judgment about those shadow elements. You know, it's like, this is bad. This is good. And it's neither, you -hmm. know, it's, it's not. And the only way to heal is to drop that judgment about it. I have felt in the last few months working with people like an imposter at times. Because when I am in a session, I'm fully on. I I don't know how I could have the worst moment before. And the minute that I start a session with somebody, it's almost as if something in me just switches and turns off and I can, you know, help through guidance. And I don't even, a lot of times, I don't even know who's saying it because I'm just, I'm in that moment. I can switch it off. Yeah. And it's, it's a beautiful gift because if, if I was working from ego, there's no way that I could give a session to anybody when I'm feeling right. what I'm feeling. Right. But what I find is that I'm in the middle of sessions and I finish sometimes and I'm getting these amazing teachers because I believe that one of the biggest privilege in my life is that I'm sitting with people, sharing space with them, but they're also teaching me or they're reflecting right. to me. And it's absolutely beautiful. I'm not yeah. here to be a teacher. I'm not here to guide I'm right. here to allow whatever information to comes through and it's from their higher self or your guidance or their ancestors. Right. And I hang up sometimes and I'm like, what just happened? Like, who is that? Who is that? Who is that? <laughs> and I feel like an imposter. And one of the things that did come up in the first three days in Mexico was like my worth. And wouldn't you know that, you know, our worth is tied up to the solar plexus, which is the stomach area. Mm-hmm. So the last week alone, I've had stomach issues. I mean, I've been mm. sick to my stomach and it, that is all there is all connected to worth and, you know, how I feel about myself. And, and, you know, I am really good about showing up vulnerable. I don't have a problem with not showing my dirt or my cleanliness. I don't have a problem because, you know, I feel that I feel that with anyone, even if it's a stranger yeah. in, a, in a store, the moment you show up as you are, they're also able to put their guard down. Right. And I can't help anybody and no one can help me if I don't put all that crud out of the way and allow this person, this being, this spiritual person to come up. And that comes out sometimes with, you know, I, I'll sit there and cry with them and, and realize that I'm also crying for me. I'm not crying for them as much as, you know, so this it's not just a sexual trauma that's in 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 us many of us have is abuse is it's how we judge ourselves to anything decision making or i married the wrong person or i left school too early or i shouldn't have quit that job or i should not have taken that house or i should not have spoken to my mother you know and stopped talking to her 10 years ago whatever the whatever the subject matter is that we Mm-hmm. Even though at that moment we made a decision, then we, we begin to pay for it over and over and over, not on a conscious level because it's happening in the background. It's imprinted right. in ourselves. Right. And it's, it's powerful to witness when somebody has an aha moment. Um, if you're talking to them or, I mean, I've had them with you where I'm like, Oh my God, I just had an aha moment with April. Even if we're just messaging back and forth, (laughs) because what happens is I'm seeing you and in seeing you, I'm able to also see me. Correct. Especially as women, we're so connected that, you know, especially mothers that are, have children with issues or whatever, watching you navigate with yours allows me to navigate my own way and not be so judgmental. Right. Because what I find is in the trauma of everything that we undergo, especially with me, mm-hmm. is that the one thing, the one you can tell me I am 
this, I am that, I don't care what you think of me. Right. But if it comes to my children or how I mother my children and someone says something, Mm. that's where the mama bear comes out. And it's the one, it's funny, it's that one thing that somebody could just trigger it. Yes. And immediately when they trigger it, like, oh, oh, that. Oh, hail to the no, you just that's right. You didn't just say that. (laughs) You did not just go there, you know. I know. And the whole me, the whole me of I'm not worthy of this, or I'm not this, or I'm not that, it all of a sudden disappears. And this, you know, I don't know if you know, but they called me up the week before, actually five days before going to Mexico. They called me up from Florida that my daughter had had another child. Oh, yeah. And they called me to go pick up this new baby. I didn't know she was pregnant again with her fifth or sixth child. I have two of hers right now that I'm raising. Right. And I had to tell the woman, give me a half an hour. I need to call you back. Mm -hmm. That morning I woke up to no water in this house. The refrigerator broke. It was raining. I was, it was one of those mornings where I was being pushed to, and then that just added to it. (sighs) And I called her, I sat in silence for about a half an hour. And I said to myself, you know, where do I draw the line of continuously taking these children in yeah. and the struggles that come with them? Because right. before, until when do I, I mean, there's eight of them. Do I just continue to just yeah. keep adding to the number? And, you yeah. know, and people can say to me, don't you dare take another child or how dare you take another child? It's no, nobody's business. Right. The reality is I had to step into my own worth and realize I can continue mothering people from here. I don't need to take another child to mother them. I mean, my biggest goal in life is to be able to fight for the foster care system. And I will, I mean, that's my dream, Yes. but I can't do it. If I keep having to raise babies into adults, I I can't, I don't have the bandwidth for it, but that then triggered you know, five days later in Mexico. And then, so it's been three weeks of really going into my worth because then there was a point that I actually felt guilty mm-hmm. for not taking that child. Right. I had to sit in that wounding of, oh my God, maybe I could just get help. Maybe I could take that child. Maybe this child will be what, I don't know. I mean, yeah. and there's no right or wrong answer. There's no. only I can feel, I can deal with. Sure, I can have another child. I can have two or three more. Do I want to have another child? Because I'm in the point in my life where for the first time I get to put my career, you know, front and center. When do I start being able to shift my life into something that I am proud of? You know, not that I'm not proud of everything else that I've done, but it was one, it triggered all my worth issues along Mm -hmm. with my sexual issues, along with, everything else that was coming up so it's been three weeks of really wows lots of wows and lots of wow okay I'm just gonna keep getting this this stuff out mm-hmm. and sitting with it and writing about it and just processing it in a way that I could feel okay about it and I was okay yesterday during the day and so yeah. now I'm going by days you know right I'm I wasn't okay on Saturday, but Sunday I was okay. Yesterday I was okay. Today I'm pretty okay. So as, as I keep going and not just put it under the rug, or as you say, you know, Bypass. bypassing it, right. I I'm able to heal those wounds of, you know, am I not good enough? Right. Can I, can I do this that I want to do with my life? How yeah. do I raise these two children? Um, can I just keep putting those boundaries were, you know, I have nightmares about kids showing up with a bat in a basket in my door. And right. <laughs> I literally wake up in a cold sweat thinking, yeah, get oh that. My God, I'm getting another one. And it's not that I love, I love children. And that's my weakness. I mean, I want to take them all. Well, you know, here's, what's really powerful, Millie. And this is how I know that this is shifting in you is that you have an awareness around this. That's, yeah. you know, that is the first, like, that's the thing, the catalyst for the shift is the awareness around it. It's like, I know I would much rather mother everybody else than mother myself. 
but I know that I cannot give from this place of emptiness at the same time. Mm -hmm. And to clearly define your bandwidth, that's a really good word. You know, the, your bandwidth with how much you can possibly handle and be aware of that is a really powerful thing. The mind's going to get involved with all sorts of stories, mm-hmm. but that doesn't make them true. It's just the mind trying to make rid itself of the uncomfortable feeling by coming up with, you know, some sort of a story. It's not comfortable to make hard choices that are in our best interest or really honestly in everybody's best interest, because I mean, let's really flesh this out. If you don't have the bandwidth for something and you do it anyway, are you really fully engaged at hundred percent in it? I mean, I, I definitely have noticed that about myself when I find myself agreeing to, or committing to something that I know I don't have the energy for the bandwidth for everybody suffers yep. me first, but everybody else too, because I just don't, I don't have it to give and it's okay to not have it to give it. I think it's, we, we talk about empowerment and all of our potential and all the things we can do, but I think what's equally important is knowing our limits. Mm-hmm. I'm learning that this is the last few months have been about setting healthy boundaries. And what I find myself is like, I don't recognize sometimes when I say no. And and I have a friend, Jade, who said, when you say no, and then you give an explanation, you're you're giving away your power. Right. And it's true. If I have to say no, and then I have to give you the reason why I said no, instead of you honoring that I can't do it right now, I'm giving away my power. Yes. Honor the fact that I've said no, thank you. And that I'm standing over here and that I don't have to give you an explanation. why I can't go to your place or why I can't do this or why I I don't want to do that. And the more I do it without giving an explanation, the more power I get to keep from me. Exactly. And a person that really loves and respects you is not going to demand an explanation as to why you can't do it. They'll just say, okay, that's fine. Like you don't owe me an explanation. Mm -mm. No, but you don't owe owe that. And, and I think that's the thing too. Like we attract, we were talking about people that we attract on our frequency or what we call in gene keys fractal. We, wherever we're vibrating, we attract a similar, we attract either like a mirror image or something that's the same. So when you start to honor and respect yourself and speak from that space, you will attract people that do similarly. But if you're still in the place where you're like, Oh, I feel like I have to like, you know, justify Mm -hmm. my Mm -hmm. needs and feelings here. Then you're going to attract people that are going to demand that you justify those things. That's powerful. And so true. Yeah. I mean, that's really powerful. Thank you for that. Because I really do. I really do believe that. um, As we're progressing in our, in this massive conscious shift is happening, whether you are aware of it or are not aware of it, it's happening. Right. Because people right. are waking up in places and in, in ways that I've never witnessed before. Right. And we've always been spiritual. Of course, we're spiritual beings having a human experience, right? But we're not always conscious of a pattern or, or programming that's that, that is being torn down, that is being disassembled. Right. Exactly. And right now, right. And as is being disassembled, all this stuff that we haven't worked on is, is coming to the surface. Yes. So whatever um, shame, guilt, anger, um, repression, things that you don't even know are back there, um, it's coming up to light. And, and I'm asking myself, okay, do I want to just avoid it like I normally do? Mm-hmm. Or do I sit with it long enough and go to the trigger the trigger point therapy and, and go do the exercises that I know are going to be getting that stuff out because I want to supersede this. I want to be in a place that I am healthy and happy with all of me, not just the parts of me. I want to be able to touch my stomach and say, Oh, it's fluffy. And it's nice. Yeah, (laughs) It's okay. It's not not like it used to be, but it is, you know, there's parts of me that I want to embrace and go, I love all of me. Right. And I, on most days I do. Yeah. Some days I don't even look in the mirror just to stay away from it. But there's, there's a part of me that loves 
my essence like never before. I might not love the outside for X amount of reasons because we're always so judgy of what society tells us we're supposed to be. Right. But overall, I love my heart and who I am. Mm -hmm. So as long as I stay in that frequency of love and joy, which are the highest frequencies, then you know what? I'm okay. And if that means I have to excavate like an archaeologist and get all those things from the past to be able to be removed out of my existence, and they might come up in 10 years again, or it might come up next month again. Right. I am, that is my priority right now to be able to do it. So I can help others do the same. Right. How can I sit in, in divine wisdom and say to somebody, I don't pay. You need to, or you should, because I don't say to people, you need to, you right. should look at this and get this out of the way when right. I am not doing it myself. Exactly. Yeah. I think you froze up just a sec here. Or is it me? Are you there? Millie, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I think Did we you have up. to push another one. I just paused it for a minute. Oh, okay. Okay. Cause it, uh, it was going out, but yeah, that back to what you were saying. Yeah. If we're not doing the work ourselves, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't, my, was it my mom that used to say, don't ever trust a cook that doesn't eat his own food. <laughs> <laughs> you so, know? Yeah. Because look, mm-hmm. we, you know, and there's, what is this thing that we need to think we've arrived before we can be valuable or useful in the world? You know, that's taught programming. Yeah. That's conditioning. That's, that's it, conditioning. That's yeah. You have, you better have it all together. Well, you know, I guess I'll wait till I'm 105. Then maybe I'll have all the answers <laughs> probably will be blind and can't hear and have to be carted around, but you know, I'll just be a, I'll be, I'll have it together by then. But I mean, that's ridiculous. Like everybody is growing. Everybody's evolving you know, this whole, let's, let's make people perfect before they have anything valuable to give. I'm sorry. I don't want to learn from a perfect person. Oh, I don't either. I don't learn from perfect people. No, because I, because first of all, I think it's uh, BS. Okay. I think it's, I think that's, it's, there are no perfect people. Second of all, they haven't suffered. They haven't felt what I've, they can't identify, uh, with what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I just, I, I, like I said, I just don't, if the cook is not eating this food, there's something wrong. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I remember, um, I had this beautiful home in Orlando. Uh, I mean, it was, it was exquisite. And I used to get the kids in the suburban in the morning to drop them off at school. And I had six kids that some of them did not, were not morning people. Sure. (laughs) I didn't care if their hair was sticking up, brush your teeth and get in the car. If they didn't match, I was definitely not about perfection. I just needed to get them to school and I would drive up to drop them off. And I would see these perfect PTA moms, you know, with a ponytail (laughs) and their little skirts. And I am like barely able to have a time in my pajamas, just dropping these kids off. And, you know, did you get your lunch? Did you forget the money? Whatever. And I, and I, and I would drive by them and I'm like, God, they have their stuff in order. Look at them. I was in my thirties and I thought, wow, like I wish I was them. I, I, I couldn't possibly be a good mother if my kids weren't dressed properly right? or or if they didn't look like they just woke up and I just pushed them in the car (laughs) and and I would come down on myself, you know, like, and then I would see how happy they were or, you know, they didn't care that they didn't have brand names. They didn't care about brand names. They didn't care about that. And one of those PTA moms, I would look at her. And I'm not an envious person, but it's just not something I'm not jealous. And I remember looking at this one particular woman, blonde, she looked like the Stafford's wife, you know, like now she was just perfect, all perky. And every day <laughs> I roll my eyes as I would leave. I go, God, if I could just have one day to be like that one day, I want it to be a, a perfect Latina to the American woman. Version. Right. Right. And I am one day out of the blues, I'm walking into Starbucks and she's sitting by herself drinking a cup of coffee. And I go, Hey, I know you from the kids line at the elementary school. And she's like, Oh, and she's having a moment. Hmm. And 
all of a sudden this woman who didn't know who I was, other than the fact that she knew my car and my children, she starts crying. Oh. And she unloads and she tells me that she's going through a nasty divorce. And I mean, like she's having horrible things happening to her. And even though she was all made up and looked great on the outside, she's her life is pretty miserable on the right. inside. I'm thinking to myself, I feel pretty good. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I look horrible on the outside, but yeah, I'm so sorry. I feel great. <laughs> I, you know, like there was a moment where it was like, and I said to her and I sat and after I heard her for a half an hour, she just, you know, just lost it. And, and, and I was there to just happen to be the right person. And Aww. I remember, I said, can I just share something with you? <laughs> I look at you every morning and I think you have your stuff together and your little girl, she's always perfect. And my kids look like they just came out of them. They're a mattress or they're homeless. And, you know, right. and, and you know, they look pretty bad. Some of them look pretty bad as they were going yeah. to school, but I mean, they were healthy and they were fine. Right. They had what they needed. <laughs> they, they got bare minimums. Anyway. So, and she looked at me and she goes, and it's funny because when I saw, I see all your kids coming out, I always think, God, look at her. Mm. She seems to be such an amazing mom. And you are our perception of people. Yes. It's, it's always all... so distorted. Yes. You never know who's looking at you in the same manner that you're looking at them. And so we yes. have this constant shame of how we're supposed to be, who we are, who society tells us that we should be. When in reality, if you look at the overall picture, we're doing pretty good and we're navigating this. this yeah, the mind, the mind projects so much. Anais Nin yeah. says, you know, we don't see people who, who they are. We see them as we are. In other words, they're like a reflection of our insecurities, whether that's like super positive or, or super not, you know, but we don't really actually perceive people in the realness of who they are most of the time. Like that's, we see something totally different and it's always better than us, you know, always, always, always. And, you know, and the grass I, is always greener on the other side because it's over a septic field. I'm just saying, you know, I feel like there's something so divine that wants to move through us and I've seen it move through you. And the thing is, is it's, we are all imposters when we're in flow. I mean, cause I mean, really we're not, like you said, you know, like, I don't know how I just said that. I don't know how I just knew that it just came through me. And there's something about the mind that wants to somehow figure out how we fit into the puzzle. And we do, we're inherently valuable just because we exist, but the role we play is just to be a conduit of something greater, you know, something, you know, God, the Tao, universal consciousness, whatever name you want to put on it. And when it's flowing through us, I mean, there is a little bit of cognitive dissonance because it's like, what? That's not me. Well, no, heck no. I mean, it is you, but like your ego, your mind has kind of like slipped into the background so that this thing can come forward. So it, it's, it is like, and it causes us to compare like all the time. I look at you and after reading your book, after knowing all that you went through and there's this sense of awesomeness of knowing that you touch you touch the gates yeah. early gates and you're able to come back and retrieve all that and the hardest part of having a near-death experience that I understand mm -hmm. is not the fact that oh you're back that okay it's the fact that when you see that other realm when you see that other perfection because that is perfect. That is, there's no fear. There's no anxiety. When I died, I felt just like you, like a sense of love and connection that I've never felt in my human form. Right. The hardest part is I'm coming back to this imperfection of a soul, but it would, I mean, the spirit is perfect. It's always perfect. Yeah. It's this human part that we beat ourselves up over and over. I mean, it would be great if I lived in a monastery somewhere up in the mountains and I didn't have anybody to bother me and I tended to the land and, you know, uh, you know, on a Shangri-La and, right. but guess what? Part of us being human is having these human connections with others, being able to connect to others and say, I see you, I hear you, I feel you, I love yeah. you. 
Yes. And when we avoid it in ourselves, but we do it to others, what an injustice we're doing to our own soul. That's right. Because I don't That's say that to myself. <laughs> yeah. And we should, I mean, we really, really need to learn that we're valuable, that we're valued, that we're important, you know, that we're important in the sense that we are part of all of it. And, and from a certain perspective, it's all very perfect. Yes. You know what I mean? It is really, really perfect. And I think too, the mind is serious. You know, it's serious. It takes itself very serious, but it's all play. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all learning. It's all school. It's all, you know, all of it is just play. Um, and if we can learn to be tolerant of all of our little, little imperfections and really embrace them as not imperfections, but as truly wonderful parts of ourselves, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I look at my C-section scar and I'm like, you look like a big smile. (laughs) (laughs) Here you are smiling at me again. I mean, you know, I mean, we all have these flaws, you know, that reminder, (laughs) right. what you did you know I mean it's a beautiful thing there was a movie that came out a long time ago about a woman who I think she was getting a divorce but she went off to some Mediterranean island and um you know had this relationship with a man there and he was telling her how beautiful her stretch marks were that it had shown that she'd lived you know who is this man I know right where is he where is he (laughs) (laughs) you know but you have a brother (laughs) I know right you have a brother Um, yeah. So, I mean, of course, I think, I think you could look at that in terms of that was probably her higher self telling her how beautiful and acceptable and wonderful, even the scars, even, even the, uh, character traits that we don't appreciate about ourselves. They all serve some sort of a purpose. They're all there to service in some way. Sometimes they hang out a little longer than we like, but you know, they're all, it's all beautiful from a, from that vantage point, when we step away it's all very lovely, all of it. I love scars. I bet you didn't yeah. know that about me. I don't know the thing about people and scars because they've they fought a war mm. and they won. That's right. And so when I see scars on people and their faces or on their bodies and they're visible, I'm like, wow, what a badass. That person just overcame something so massive. So scars to me, I got plenty. Scars to me means that you lived and you won. Yes. And <sighs> it's one of those. So when you decide, I need to go find that movie to, you know, because yes, the stretch marks, the marks in our bodies. I mean, one of the most beautiful things that I see are sometimes these pictures, these fo- photographic pictures that show up on social media of the women or the men that are all wrinkled up and they mm-hmm. have, I mean, they're sometimes black and white. Mm-hmm. And I just like sit there and just stare at them because right. I'm like, look at the life you've led and the life you lived and look how you're showing up. Every one of these lines is my my billboard to the world that I have lived. Like every gray hair. It's basically saying, hey, I have enough laugh lines everywhere. I've been laughing a lot. Yes. This is me. This is my my joy. Um, when you see people with very, I mean, when you look at people and their, the way that their bodies and you realize how hard their lives have been and how they've chosen a different path. But mm-hmm. I think that, wow, I have to, you have to see if you could find the name of that movie. Because, I will, I'll send it to you. It was, yeah, I want to, I want to yeah. watch that, but I, I really think it's beautiful. And, and so here we are, you know, just embracing ourselves and, and realizing that we are perfect in our imperfections. I mean, I know I'm the most imperfect person I've ever met. Well, I'm, I'm right there with you, you know, and that, and I mean, and that's the thing. It's like, you're not, we have this Hollywood version of that perfection is youth and no experience, you know, that, 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 that's, that, that's what we are to strive for. So we're, what are we supposed to do? Go backwards? You know, I mean, no society cultures uh, used to value the warrior, you know, the person that, that stood the test of time, that had all the struggles, that gained the wisdom, that had something to share about what they've been through. And I think that's gold. I think that's so important. And I think, again, I, I'm, I tend to listen to people who aren't altogether perfect and are still figuring it out and have the humility and the vulnerability to admit that. 
and to, um, Hey, I'm, I'm walking this walk and I'm getting through every day, you know, and you can too, you know, because there's some of us right now that don't, you know, that don't, they, some people out there feel like they can't do another day, you know? And, and I felt that you felt that, mm-hmm. but guess what we did. Yeah. I right? made it two days ago. <laughs> That's right. We did. We did. You know, and you've got to, you know, and you, we think the pain is going to kill us. I mean, I think that's the thing about the panic attacks who I, I had them years ago after a car accident. I had them again after some personal struggles and then I didn't have them for years. And then all this happened with the hospital. And now I find myself intermittently having, having them without any warning. And, and what I'm doing differently this time is I'm saying body, you're doing what you need to do. And I'm going to, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to witness this. I'm going to be here for you as you do it. And I'm not going to fight with you or try to stop it because I know from having been down this road before that it just exacerbates it and, and causes it to happen more and more. It's, you know, it's that, that silly adage, what you resist persists. Well, it does, you know, it really does. And so moving through the pain, allowing the body and the soul, the spirit to, process those feelings embracing yourself being gentle with yourself through that process is how we heal we don't heal by stuffing it down although i have great compassion and mercy for that because sometimes you're in such a situation that just to get through it you feel like you need to do that you need to numb it because otherwise it just feels intense yeah april thank you Mm, thank you. You are a huge mirror for me. But aside from that, besides Anne, you're also this incredible woman that I admire and love so deeply. Mm. You keep showing me the parts of myself that I don't always see so clearly. Mm. And that's why it's always so important to have these conversations with people mm-hmm. because they feel, most of us feel so alone on this journey. Yeah. And we, and in the darkness, we don't always share with people all those things that are referred to as weaknesses or, you know, we beat ourselves up for. And so thank you for allowing me and others to share space with you. So you can bring all of these subjects and all these things up to light. Well, it is an honor and a pleasure. And I'm grateful to have you back. And I hope you keep coming back because I feel like what you bring forth is just so rich. It's so relatable um, and it's beautiful. And you're, you're allowing, you're allowing it all just to come through and you just don't know how many people that really touches and benefits. And I thank you. Thank you, baby. Thank you so much. All right, everybody. That's the wrap. So um, we love you and um, love yourself. Yes. Love Mm. yourself. All of you. every last part of you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye now.